grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed. Our text for this morning is from the Gospel lesson according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed, we've heard these questions before, or promises. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth so help you God? Do you promise to love, honor, and cherish for better or for worse till death parts us? Do you promise to be my friend, pinky swear? You know, we live in a world of promises made. Some are kept, many are broken. Where there are lots, lots of money or property involved, these promises are minutely defined in long, complicated legal documents to make sure that there's no wiggle room, no loophole by which one could escape the obligations of his or her promises. It's not sufficient simply to depend upon another person's word or a handshake like it used to be. And you know, even in the closest of relationships, promises are broken. People are let down, disappointed, and left feeling betrayed. A father tells his 10-year-old son, I know I promised to be at your soccer game, but something's come up. Or sadly, a man tells his wife, there's someone else. Or one nation tells another that we will not honor our treaties. Maybe you've been the victim of a broken promise. Or perhaps you're the one who broken a promise. Our sermon text this morning is the Annunciation by the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary, that she would conceive and that she would bear a son. And the great announcement to Mary was ultimately, and ultimately to us, some 2,000 years later, is a part of that ongoing fulfillment of God's promises. In our text, we have the assurance that we can trust God, for God acts according to his word. God gives the promises of his word at our worst moments, at the fall into sin, when Adam and Eve deserved nothing but condemnation and death because of their disobedience towards God, the Lord gave the promise of a Savior. And while God promised judgment upon sin, he also promised, he also offered those words of hope as he promised a Savior from sin. He established a covenant, a covenant, with Israel, who was often unfaithful in this covenant relationship. 
God continued to act on that behalf and according to his word that he spoke. He had promises. He had made promises and had full divine intent to keep these promises. Why? With Israel, we know that Israel was often so rebellious. They frequently turned away from the true God to worship false ones. They completely and repeatedly ignored God's law, and every, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Unless Israel think that there was something about them or something they've done to deserve or merited God's great and precious promises, the Lord reminded them. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than those other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. But it was because the Lord loves you and in keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and, and, and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Listen, or did you listen this morning to that Old Testament reading? And that shows the account of God's promises. And in this lesson, King David resolved to build a house a temple in Jerusalem. But God promised David that he would make him a house. God told David, your house and your kingdom shall be made forever before me. Your kingdom shall be established forever. And from David's line would one day come that promised Messiah, that promised Savior. As one reads through the Old Testament, more promises, more words are given. And here God even gives the details in his promises, details like we read in the book of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. So what does all this have to do with our sermon text? Simply this, as you survey the Old Testament panorama of God's word and promises, it becomes evident that the annunciation of the Virgin Mary is an account of God at work, according to his word, keeping his promise to redeem fallen mankind. The time was the sixth month, our reading said. The sixth month of what? The verses preceding our sermon text tell of the promise that he made to Elizabeth and Zacharias, a childless couple who were well past the age of childbearing. The promise was that they would have a son, one who would make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This promise was delivered by no one else than the angel Gabriel, that angel, a messenger of God. 
And indeed, Elizabeth did become pregnant, and it was in the sixth month of her pregnancy that this same angel, that messenger of God, came to Mary. If you look at most commentators, say that Mary was probably perhaps 14, 15 years old, a virgin. She was already engaged to Joseph, who was from the house of David. And with these words, one begins to sense that God is at work according to his word. The angel Gabriel sent from God announced to Mary that she would conceive and bear a son and call his name Jesus. Furthermore, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. These are incredible words of promise, and as Mary considered these words, she asked, how could this be fulfilled? Because she was a virgin. She was not only engaged to Joseph, and that did not allow any marital relationship whereby a child might be conceived. But that angel Gabriel assured her that she would miraculously conceive and that the child to be born would be called holy, the son of God. And the angel assured Mary that according to God's word of promise, her aged cousin Elizabeth was already six months along in her pregnancy. And as with Elizabeth, so also with Mary, with God, with God, nothing is impossible. God's word is good. How would he do what he said he'd do? He would do it because he gave his word. So Mary responds in faith, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This Thursday, at our Christmas Eve services and Friday, our Christmas Day service, we will hear again that familiar account of the birth of Jesus. For a moment, let's lay aside all tradition and sentimentality about this event. Let's focus on the word of God spoken by the messenger Gabriel to Mary. In 96 hours, we will hear this wonderful account of Jesus' birth, that God kept his promise to Mary according to his word, even though she was a virgin. She did conceive. She did bear a son. And this miraculous event invites us to examine further God's word that follows. So we look at the four Gospels in the New Testament. They are an account of God keeping his word in the, in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. This word is not only the word that he gave to Mary, but the word that he gave to you and to me. Recall that familiar Bible verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Perhaps you've recently been victim of someone who didn't keep his word. You've experienced loss and pain as a result. You don't know where to go or to whom to turn. Listen to this word from Jesus. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Jesus Christ, God has given his word, and he acts according to his word. Maybe you're the one who hasn't kept your word. You've broken promises. You've betrayed trust. And you've hurt others, including those people that are close to you. What do you do with your guilt and your shame of what you've done to others by not keeping your word? There's nothing any of us can think, say, or do to atone for fast wrongs. But, in God, but, it, but God invites us to come to him for forgiveness. In his son's suffering death on the cross, he has paid that price for all sin, and he has given us this word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Jesus Christ, God has given us his word, and he acts according to that word. Or perhaps you're one that just simply struggles with God's word and promise. Living in a world and an age that seems dominated by skepticism and cynicism, we're easily tempted to wonder about and we question God's word, even in this 2020 year. Is there something tangible that will strengthen and sustain my faith? Is there something that will provide us with the forgiveness we need for the assurance of God's promise and mercy and grace? In response, he invites us right there. Take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. In Jesus Christ, God has given us his word, and he acts according to his word. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. God gave Mary the faith to take him at his word. She was invited to hear his word and through that angel Gabriel and to trust and to believe that, that the simply impossible would happen simply because God said it would. That's faith. In Jesus, God has given his word that he acts according to his word. Today, you are invited to hear, to believe as did Mary. God wants you and me, the faith, to respond to all of his promises with this response. Let it be to me 
according to your word. This morning, as we consider the promises to Mary as we gather or will gather on Thursday and Friday to hear that wonderful account of the fulfillment of God's promise to Mary and the birth of Jesus. And as we read all that Jesus has done for us in his life and death and resurrection, may God grant us the response of faith. Let it be to me according to your word. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.